Welcome to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. I hope you had a, a, a good time with your, with your family, with your friends. Um, I hope that you, you uh, saw the gratitude in your life and where it comes from. Amen. And um, we're going to get into the word this morning. And we're going to be in Luke. We were in Luke last week as well. Today we're going to be in Luke chapter 22. And we're looking at verses 39 through 46. And I love what my wife said up here this morning. You probably pigged out during Thanksgiving. We're going to pig out on the word this morning. And whatever it is that God has for us, we're going to receive it. You probably didn't turn down anything at your, at your tia's house, at your mom's house. Right? You're like, just, just pack on the plate. Just pack it on, right? So we're going to tell God this morning, God, whatever you want to do with us this morning. In fact, let, let's, let's pray. Let's pray. We need, we need to do that this morning. Father God, we need you right now, Lord. We need your spirit. We need your Holy Spirit revealing things to us, my God. We need you to speak to us, Father God, through your word, Father God. And I pray that whatever it is that you have for us this morning, Father God, you fill our cup, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Luke 22, 39 through 46. It's up here. It says, and he came out and went as his as was his custom to the Mount of Olives. And and the disciples followed him. And we when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood, falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Amen. I've entitled today's sermon, Where's the Exit? Where's the Exit? You've probably been in situations before where, where you didn't want to be in, right? Or you might have been with people that you didn't want to be with, or you know, you're, you're, you're asked to do something that is just really uncomfortable, making you anxious. You probably know what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, a few uh, events come to mind back when I was a kid, growing up as a, as a pastor's kid. My parents would always put me in uncomfortable situations. They would always sign me up for stuff that, you know, had I been asked on my own if I wanted to do, I would have said no. Um, and, and they would do this all the time. So I, I would wind up singing for people that I didn't even know at their weddings. I, sometimes I would have to haul my keyboard to like weddings and church events and funerals sometimes so awkward. And people I didn't even know, people I couldn't relate to, just, just so my mom could say my mijo can sing. And, <laughs> and you know, a mother's love, man, is it, really something. Because she probably volunteered me thinking like, like to kind of show off, right, in a way. Like, oh, I'm, like I was her trophy son. Thing is, when I was 12, 13 years old, there was nothing to be proud of, man. I would not have signed myself up. I didn't even sound good. I don't know what she had to be proud of. And I would always tell my parents, stop doing that. I still tell them today, like, stop signing me up for stuff. Talk to me first. But it never worked, right? So I'd be at these events, super uncomfortable, ready to leave, looking for an exit against my will. And you know, as I was thinking about that, I thought about Jesus because Jesus is being sent down. He was sent down to earth to do the will of his father. 
The gospels say that Jesus did not come uh, to be served, but to serve. Amen. And to, to give his life as a ransom to many. And he came knowing what his mission was. He knew what he had to do. He knew it from a very early age. But the closer he came to fulfilling that mission, the more real it got. You've probably been in those situations before where, where the closer you get to something, uh, you begin to feel the pressure. You begin to get a little bit scared. You, you're thinking about maybe should I should I back out because because it's getting real. We were you know, we were fortunate to have a very I say we Melissa was very fortunate to have a, a smooth pregnancy uh, with with Melissa, uh, <laughs> Melissa, with Layla. Um, she didn't have any morning sickness. You know, she's. She didn't have any cravings. I, I had the cravings and um, no, no complications. Thank God everything went smooth. But the day that Layla came, you know, she started to freak out. And I, I guess that's I don't know. I guess that's most women. I don't know. She she was she was freaking out. I, I remember um, I was here at church and she was at her mom's house and um, it was a Saturday morning. And my theory was that Layla, she just got so uh, antsy, so so hyper because Melissa decided to eat six Reese's peanut butter cups, um, like, like in the span of 15 minutes and six of them, that's, that's a lot. And so after the sixth one, Layla starts to, you know, saying, Hey, get me out of here. Like something's going, something's wrong. This woman's doing something to me. And, and so we go to the hospital and, and I, I remember along the way, you know, it was kind of a long walk to get, you know, from, from where we parked, uh, to where we needed to be. And she would have to, you know, stop every, every few minutes. She'd have to go to the restroom. And I, just to kind of like deal with her pain. And I, I remember feeling so useless. It, it, was that just, is that just me? Like, men, what, what do you do? You can't do anything. You can't offer her any help. You're, you're the reason she's in pain, right? Like what? And I, I just kind of felt so bad. Like all I can do is like say, you know, tough it out, champ. You know, there's like nothing that I can do. And, and so I can tell, I can tell she's, she's kind of scared. She's nervous. The pressure is on. The moment is here, and there's nothing that she can do about it. You know, there's a big difference in feeling when you know that something has to be done versus arriving at the moment when it has to be done. And I love this passage. It's here in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They all record it. It's one of the most vulnerable moments in the life of our Lord Jesus because we see him not just as God, but as a human. All, of, all, throughout, you know, all, all throughout his life, he's known... This, is has, this has to happen. But now he's arrived at the moment. And we see, we, we read it, we see his struggle, we see his pain, we see the temptation. And the Bible says that he withdrew. Someone say withdrew. We talked about the power of prayer um, when done in, in solitude. A few months ago, if you recall the message um, I, I preached about Jacob wrestling all night with God. He demanded God give him his blessing Right. That was something that he had to do alone. He had to get away from his family. He had to set him off and he just had to have a one on one God, because when you're when you're one on one with God, you'll you'll say some things to God that you wouldn't want anyone else to hear. You will admit some things to him that you don't want anyone else knowing about. And you won't be afraid to to cry and just kind of lay it all out there. And so Jesus, he, he withdraws from his disciple to have this one-on-one moment with his father. And he begins to talk to God. He lets him know, hey, man, this is, this is on my mind. And, and this prayer, it consists of two key elements that I want to kind of focus on a little bit. We're talking about prayer this morning. Is that okay with you? We're going to talk about prayer. I love this passage. There's two key elements in, in, in Jesus' prayer here. There's a request and there's a submission. 
request and a submission. The first one I want to talk about for just a moment is, is the request. I don't think I need to spend too much time here because I think that we've got this one down. We know how to, we know how to ask things. We know how to ask Jesus for things. We know how to, man, we know how to request from God, right? <laughs> and uh, whether, whether it's, you know, we, we kind of make it sound, you know, holy, like, oh, Heavenly Father, Jesus, give me a healing. Give me a, and we're so, like, melodic about it, right? It's like kind of like singing it. Jesus, give us a healing this morning. Essentially, we're just doing the same thing. We're just requesting. We know how to request from God. And um, I was thinking, you know, my, my family, the Cantu family, we're target people. Anyone else target people? No? Walmarts? Walmart, I guess. That's, that's y'all's spot. Cool. Less classy, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we're, 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 tar- we're Target people. <laughs> we're Target people. We love Target. Man, the other day I went to Target, and I got, I got two pairs of jeans at Target uh, for less than I would have paid for one pair of jeans at, you know, a name brand store. So I love Target. Layla loves Target. And the, the, the last few times we've been going to Target, you know, she wants to go to the, to the toy section. Um, but instead of buying her anything, we're, we're telling her, hey, we're not going to buy you anything, but maybe, you know, pick out your, you know, your, your, your Christmas presents. That's kind of, you know, what we do to kind of not have to buy her anything at the moment. And so when we tell her that, I mean, that's like giving a little girl like an Amex black card because, I mean, she goes through the aisle and everything. She, I want that one. I want that one. I want that one. Things that she doesn't even need. Every single doll. She doesn't discriminate, man. White, you know, brown, black, all the dolls, whatever color. She wants them all. Everything. And that Christmas list is probably, you know, worth as much as our, as our house. It's in our nature to want things. And so when we read verses like, you know, God wants to give us the desires of our heart, we're like, ooh, God, my heart has got some desires. God, I desire a raise at work. God, I desire a husband. God, I desire a wife. Give me something. That's my desire and my heart. Now, it's not always that selfish, right? Sometimes it's a little bit more serious than that. God, I need a healing. God, I need a miracle. I need a way out. But ultimately, it's a carnal request. And the same goes for Jesus here, right? He's saying, God, give me an exit. I don't want to have to go through this. He, I mean, he's being very anxious about it. And I think one of the reasons that Jesus withdraws from his disciples um, was because he didn't really want them knowing what he was battling with internally. Now, Matthew, Matthew does tell us that, that Peter, uh, Jesus tells Peter that, that his soul is troubled um, but Jesus, he's not about to lay out all of that in front of his disciples. He's going, to have a, he's going to have a one-on-one with the Father to do all of that, right? Because if you recall, before this occasion, uh, Jesus predicts his death, and Peter calls Jesus to the side. He's like, far be it from you, Lord. You're not going to die. They're going to have to go through me. Don't, don't talk about death. You're not going to, that's not going to happen. And then Jesus, what does Jesus do? He rebukes him. He says, get behind me, Satan. So that tells me. That Jesus is already dealing with some type of temptation about possibly not even carrying out his mission. It's already in his mind. And so when, when, when Peter kind of entertains that possibility, hey, you're not going to die. He says, get behind me, Satan. Peter, Peter clearly doesn't even care enough about you know, what's going on with Jesus, that Jesus' soul is, is troubled, right? Because in this very same passage, Jesus gets upset with the disciples because their guards are down, because they're sleeping, they're sleeping. They're falling asleep when they should be praying against temptation. That's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is connecting with the Father so that he's not led 
into temptation. I don't know about you, man, but if, it was, if I had a choice whether to die or not, it'd be pretty tempting to choose not death, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be praying, right? And so Jesus knows. He knows he's God. He knows who he is. He can easily find the way out of this situation, right? So he goes to God in prayer because he doesn't want to make a decision based off of his own flesh. He doesn't want to make a decision based off of, of what he's being tempted to do. So instead, he goes into prayer to be led by the Spirit of God. That's what he does. Because if he doesn't go into prayer, the more he thinks about maybe not going to the cross, maybe he won't. So he, he withdraws and he goes into the presence of God. You know, the Bible says that when you are tempted to resist, to, to resist the enemy, he will flee. Right. How do you do that? How do you resist the devil by getting into his presence, the presence of God? Right. Because when you enter the holy of holies, that temptation, it begins to weaken because the more he increases, the, the more that we must decrease. Right. So Jesus, Jesus is clearly dealing with this temptation. So he goes into the presence of his father and he comes back and he finds his disciples sleeping, sleeping. Anyone asleep this morning? Sleeping, let me tell you something about sleeping, man. Sleeping is, is probably the most carnal state that you can be in. That's why when you wake up, everything that you, that you do requires maintenance to your flesh. You got to use the restroom. You got to brush your teeth. Your breath stinks. You got to stretch because you've been in the same position for hours. You're hungry. You're, you're grumpy. You're not fully alert. I mean, it's like when you wake up, all of your energy goes to satisfying your flesh. What was King David doing moments before he saw Bathsheba? That, that afternoon delight. What, what happened? He was asleep on the couch. Don't be caught sleeping when the devil is on the prowl, man. Jesus is over there making war over his flesh and his disciples are asleep. Matthew says he withdraws a second time. And again, he withdraws to be alone with the Father, to get into God's presence and because he doesn't want his disciples to see everything that he is battling with. Sometimes you got to be careful who you tell your struggles to, church. Because, man, people, people will say things. People will talk. Sometimes you got to be careful who you let see the pain that you're in. Because not everyone's going to encourage you the right way. Had Peter known what Jesus was going through in this moment, he would have brought up what he brought up before. Well, Jesus, you don't really need to go to the cross. I mean, we don't want you to die anyway. Don't worry about it. Stop. Why are you dealing with this? Don't do it. And other people, they won't fully understand what you're going through. That was Peter. Peter didn't understand. None of the disciples really understood when Jesus spoke about his death needing to happen, his resurrection. They were all kind of confused. They didn't really understand what was happening. So sometimes you're going to be going through things, but it's not even worth telling it to anyone because they're not going to understand what you're going with. All they're going to do is judge you. Other people might just, you know, give you their ear to entertain them and so they can have something to talk about with the next person. Be careful who you tell your struggles to. Jesus knows that the only one who can help him right now, the only one who understands the mission is his heavenly father. So he goes and he makes a request to God. You're still with me, right? And we have to realize something about requests, man. Requests are requests. They're not demands. Just because you make something known doesn't mean that God is going to grant it to you, right? So you're asking for something. When you ask for something, you have to be prepared for the possibility of not getting what you asked for. Now, as a child of God, I have a right 
to go up to my father and, and make a request known to him, right? But that's all I can do. After I've, I've positioned myself correctly, if I've done everything that I can do on my own, I can then go into the, to the father's presence and ask him for the things that I can't make happen on my own. But to truly be in the will of the father, to truly be in the will of the father, you have to give up your own will. I'm going to start preaching now. Okay. The second element, we don't talk about this one, is submission. Someone say submission. Submission. You know, sometimes God lets you have things when you pray for them, even though he doesn't want you to have them. Did you know that? I didn't, I, I'm going to lie. I, I didn't know that. I didn't think that. But then I started studying a little bit more and I found that to be the case. Sometimes God grants you your requests, even though he doesn't necessarily want you to have them. I started thinking about the Israelites when they were asking for a king to govern over them, to be like all the other nations so that they could have a king to go out and, 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 and fight their battles for them. They tell this to the prophet Samuel and Samuel says, well, I don't think this is a really good idea, but let me go. I'm going to go and pray about it. Now, Samuel, he knows that God should be their king. God, I mean, for, 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 for as far as they've come, they've been in a theocracy. God has been their ruler, but now they're saying, we want a, we want a human king. We want someone to govern over us like everyone else has. And what does God tell the prophet Samuel? He says, you know what, Samuel, just give them what they want. I'll allow it to happen. They're asking for it. They want to reject me. That's fine. Let's give them a king. And so sometimes, church, Sometimes we're so convinced that because God granted a prayer to us, it must be his will. Thank you, God. But then we start to see everything kind of like fall apart and nothing's making sense. And we're like, we're asking ourselves, was this God? Could it be that, that you left out the, that one key ingredient in that prayer when you failed to say, but God above everything else, let your will be done and not mine? When you pray that prayer, church, when you, when you add that little addendum to the end of your prayer, it doesn't disqualify your request. It just makes that prayer the priority. When you say, God, I, I need this healing, but let your will be done. That puts the healing secondary in his will, the priority. That's how we got to start praying, church. And so, you know, maybe you've been praying to God God, get me out of this job and get me into another one. I don't like this one, but God sees an opportunity to, you know, coming to you for, for this per, current uh, job position that you have. But because you're not praying for his will to be done, you're praying for your will to be done. When God finally grants you that request, you're going to miss that opportunity that God saw coming. Because you didn't pray according to his will. You prayed according to your will. You receiving this? We talk, we talk a lot when we talk about prayer. What do we always say with prayer? We say pray with power and authority. And I, I, I believe in that. I've preached on that. But I think, you know, to add a little bit more power to that prayer, don't just, don't just pray with authority. Pray with reverence. I don't want to demand something from God that he knows that I shouldn't have. He might give it to me, just like he gave the Israelites a king, but just because he lets me have it doesn't mean I should have it. Just because I pray for it and I get it doesn't mean that that's what he wants for my life. See, when the disciples, when the disciples ask Jesus, Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. 
Jesus, he starts that prayer in reverence. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your kingdom come thy will be done. He says that, and then, he, and then he says, give us today our daily bread. Then he brings out the request. But first, it's God, let your will be done. And if you, if you pay attention to this passage that we just read in Luke, he begins it by saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. I think we need to, I think we can't forget the most crucial element of our prayer because we're so focused on what we're asking for, church. Submission, reverence. God, let your will be done in my life. Yes, God, I'm going to pray for all these things, but above everything else, I need your will to be done in my life. In fact, I, I'd go as far as saying that it's not really prayer if you're not including the will of the Father. You're just asking for stuff. Whether you're asking for, for selfish reasons or for other people, you might even think that you're asking for, you know, so that the kingdom of God can benefit. But at the end of the day, if we're not praying for God's will to be done, we don't always realize what we're asking for. In the case of Israel, they, de- they demand that God give them a king. But it was the wrong timing. And because it was the wrong timing, they had the wrong king. Had, had they waited a little while longer, had they sought the will of, of the father, they would have avoided all the mess with King Saul and gone straight to King David. Be careful how you pray, church. God answers more prayers than you think, man. You believe that? He does. God, I think God answers a lot more prayers than we realize, but because he answers them according to our will and not his will, we don't even realize his hand is in it because we can't recognize the blessing, right? But when you pray for the will of the Father, a true blessing from heaven will follow. I believe that 100%. What if Jesus, what if Jesus would have found the exit? I want you to think about this. Because he goes to God in prayer. What if you would have found the exit? What if you would have said, Father, remove this cup from me? But maybe he only prayed that prayer just to, maybe, maybe to vent, maybe just to get his own request out. What if he prayed, Father, remove this cup from me? Do it now. In the name of Jesus, in, in the name of myself, remove this, this cup from me. I don't want to have to go through this. Do it. Do it now. I don't want it to happen in the name of Jesus. He would have been praying with authority, but it would have been his own authority, not the authority of the fathers. And so many times, man, we, oh, we, we're so eloquent with our words. And again, we just, we, we just, we paint our prayers so beautifully. We just, we add the right accents. Lord, give me a healing right now in the name of Jesus. And we're so holy with our prayers. And, and we're like, man, we're going to pray with authority. But whose authority are you praying with? Are, are you praying with your own authority? Or are you praying with the authority of the Father? Are you demanding things of God? Or are you asking God, I, I need this to happen. But above everything else, I need your will to be done in my life. Because if I pray for something and you give it to me without your blessing on it, without you really wanting it to happen, I don't know where it's going to end up. But if I say, God... Above everything else, lead me. Above everything else, guide me. Above everything else, let it be your will, my God, because I know that you see everything, Father God, that I can't see. I think, 
I think we need to change our prayers sometimes. What if Jesus would have prayed like that, man? What if Jesus would have, would have found the exit? He would, have, he would have still remained sinless. He would have still been, you know, you know, the perfect son of God, worthy to be worshipped. He didn't deserve to go to the cross in the first place. But had his human nature had its way, you and I would still be hopeless. It would have been nice for Jesus. He could have avoided this torturous death. But it wouldn't have been the will of the Father. Now, when we think of prayer in this way, man, in the way that I think it was meant to be thought about, I think it, it, it's, it's presented a little bit more challenging to us because now, now we realize, man, my prayer is not about me. My prayer isn't, it's not about what I'm going through. It's not about my sickness. It's not about, you know, the struggle that I'm dealing with, the pain that I'm going through, the, the failure that I'm trying to avoid, uh, avoid. Now it becomes about the will of the Father. And everything else is secondary. And I don't know if you realize this, church man, but this, this passage illustrates this struggle so well. It, the, the verse says, Jesus, listen to this. This is our Lord right here. Jesus, being in agony, prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down to the ground. I mean, he was incredibly torn. I, I, I wish I would have seen it. I wish I could see what, what our Lord Jesus was going through in that moment where his, his sweat is falling from his face and he's in tears and he's just, I mean, in agony. He's so torn. God, give me an exit. I need an exit. But if it's not your will, block that exit from me. How torn must have our Lord Jesus felt in that moment? But the will of the Father for Jesus was the priority, not his own will, not his request. It was the submission and because, because the will of the Father was the priority, we, we now have the victory. See, w- whenever we align the request and the submission together, it, it might not always give us the result that we want, but it's going to give you the result that you need. Because Jesus, our Father in heaven, he sees what we need more than we do. We see what we want. We see the request. We see what, what we think that we need. And so we, we pray according to those things. But, but what if we changed our prayer? And instead of just always just, just focusing on, on authority, we added a little bit of reverence in there. We added a little bit of, of submission. God, I can pray with authority, but I don't want the authority to come from my own. I want you to back it up. I'm going to demand a blessing, Father God, but, but above everything else, I need your will to be done in my life. Because I don't want to mess things up for me. I don't want to ask for a king and you grant me a king that you never intended for me to have. Let your will be done. What if we changed our prayer to always be in reverence and submission to our Heavenly Father? I'm going to ask us to stand this morning and what I want to do is I want to do a call to, to prayer. Um, and this call to prayer, we're going to focus on placing the priority on, on the will of the Father above our own. Make that, make that a part of your everyday prayer, man. Add that in there. God, let your will be done. 
Let your will be done. God, before I even begin laying it all out to you, Father God, I, I want your will to be done. I want to let you know that your will is the priority for me in my life. Because when we pray that way, church, Christians, man, we, 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 we place such a high regard on, on prayer, right? We believe in prayer. We believe in the power of prayer. So don't you think we should always be seeking to make our prayers e- even that more effective? That's why I wanted to bring this word today. I, I know it's, it's more of a kind of didactic, kind of a teaching, um, more so than a preaching. But as I was reading this and I, I started thinking about, you know, the Israelites and how God gave them a king when, when he didn't even want to give them a king. But because they asked, they gave it to him. I thought, man, how, how much are we missing the mark? Because we're asking God for things that we think we need. And he's given it to us because he is a gracious father. He's a gracious God and he loves us but I don't want what I think I need. I want what God thinks I need. So this morning, I want to make a call to prayer. And if you're in need of prayer, I'm going to ask that you step forward and I'm going to pray with you. And I'm, I'm going to ask that God grant whatever you think you need in your life. But I'm going to place the authority in the Father's hands because he sees all things. He knows all things. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.